a midweek conversation with Jason Ball. Jason is the head of the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, and he is also the head of the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development. He's got two hats on today, folks. We're going to talk about as much as we can possibly squeeze into our time together. Welcome in, Jason. Thank you, Dale. For the record, I wear everybody's hat, That's so I've got more than two hats I'm on. I'm not a hat person. I'm a ball cap guy. Just ask my wife. Hey, what happens at today's Lincoln Expo at the oh, PBA? We are so excited about today's. So uh, we have our, our annual uh, business expo. So this is our big business trade show that we provide uh, uh, businesses an opportunity to advertise what they're doing, uh, whether that's business to consumer or business to business. We're going to be at Pinnacle Bank Arena uh, today from 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock. We've got 80 local businesses that are featured, many of them small businesses. So you're supporting your small business community when you attend this. And the best part, it is free to attend for guests. So if you are open today, just want to encourage you to come on out uh, to Pinnacle Bank Arena. Parking is going to be easy down there. Um, And we're going to end the day, that one to three, for people that are are of age, uh, we've got a Lincoln Craft Beer Tour uh, featuring Zipline, Cosmic Eye, White Elm, and Code Beer Company. It's going to be a fun time. And while supplies last, everyone that shows up gets a free uh, Lincoln t-shirt. You've seen our logo Lincoln t-shirts that that are the brand for the the chamber and the community, and uh, we're giving those away, too. So it's going to be a fun day here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Doors close at 3. What's your expectation out of an expo like this in the weeks and the months to come? You know, uh, first and foremost, I hope all the businesses and exhibitors and guests have fun. I hope it is a fun day. I think it will be. I think there's a lot to learn there. But um, I think more importantly, I hope those businesses are making connections with people, whether they are prospective clients or just people that are are growing their network. Um, I I think those types of opportunities to get together in person, which we have been so... um, missing over these past two years because of COVID shutdowns and everything. It's so fun to come out and go to these big events now that people can just arrive at, enjoy, spend the day there, um, get some free tchotchkes and, and have a good time. Not fair to call it a job fair. Yeah, it would not be a job fair per se, but if these are you are business to business contacts. Yeah. Well, no, no, these are business to business and business to consumers. Okay. So if you're yeah, if you're a business person and you're looking for uh, partnerships to have with again uh, over 80 local businesses that are participating in this, and you're looking to drum up business or find someone to do business with, this is a great way to make a connection potentially in your industry. Um, if you are job seeking, it's not a bad place to go. This would not be a job fair. But if you go, you get a look at a whole 80 businesses that are are doing the things that they do. And if you find one that looks like maybe a fit for you and where you're at in your career, you can inquire about that. That person's probably not their um, human resources representative. That's not who we typically have representing businesses at these trade shows. Um, But they're going to know who to refer you to to find out more about job opportunities with that organization. We are talking three weeks before the election. One of the ballot issues is Amendment 1. What's the Chamber's opinion of Amendment 1? And explain that to listeners. So just just a little bit of a a past history. So Amendment 1 was placed on the ballot by the unicameral, by vote of the legislature, um, on LR-283CA was the bill number. And what that is going to allow people to do, if the state votes yes on Amendment 1, that is going to allow Nebraska airports 
to be able to use their normal airport revenues, right, from flights and concessions and, and uh, uh, whatever other fees they collect from the airlines for doing business there, they're able to turn those revenues back into uh, revenue guarantees for adding new flights to airports. And so I, I know some of that might might rub folks the wrong way. Oh, my goodness, we're going to give a revenue guarantee to an airline? Um, sadly, that is how this industry works. So here in Lincoln, obviously, we want to encourage more flights, more carriers, more flight diversity, more options for consumers here. We approach an airline and say, hey, we'd like you to add direct service to uh, City X, right, wherever that is. Um, the airline's going to turn around and say, well, look, we've got all these pressures. We've got a shortage in uh, pilots right now, so we've got limited resources as an airline. We want to put these resources where they're maximized. Now, Jason or Lincoln, you're asking us to add a flight in a market that we would be new to. We don't know what, what that's really going to look like. We Lincoln will always walk in with numbers and be able to demonstrate we think there's a business case for it. But at the end of the day, the airline's taking on risk. And so what they're saying is, is look, we will take on some of that risk, but you, the community, uh, really need to help us offload some of that risk. And so we, we do that by pooling together resources for, for flight guarantees. And we did this with the Houston flight. This is what was able to get mm. direct service uh, to Houston, um, which is now a very successful flight. It's averaging 80% or above um, full on every flight. So people are using that flight to Houston, just like they're using the flights to to Denver and, and uh, to Chicago. And so w we want to do more of that. Um, the flight guarantee for that flight came through because we had a federal grant for it and a match by UNL and the Chamber Foundation. And a significant, the Chamber Foundation and UNL both put in $250,000 for that. But that's been a successful flight. It demonstrates that we can be successful using these, these revenue guarantees. The airports in Nebraska are precluded through our state constitution from using their normal revenues that they would like to use for these rate guarantees. And so vote yes on Amendment 1. If you do that, now we have another tool in the bag to help recruit new flight service and flight diversity to Nebraska. I need to ask this question to Dave Herring, the head of the airport authority, mm -hmm. but he's not here. You're here, Jason. So, <laughs> so I'll ask this to you. Yeah. What has the Lincoln Airport been doing with that money that constitutionally it wasn't able to spend on enticing another airline in? Yeah, since I'm not Dave Herring, I'm going to recommend <laughs> okay. you talk to him about it. But I, I would imagine they're they're are trying to use those resources in other ways uh, to to drive more uh, traffic through the the Lincoln Airport um, or other normal operations, and so th there is going to be just like with every use of any resource, there's going to be some give and take there. But um, the the nice thing about revenue guarantees is, look, on an eighty percent full plane, you're not consuming all of the revenue guarantee for that flight. Right. And so if you can put revenue guarantees together, if the flight is successful, the, the big win is you're not really redirecting those resources. You need to have a plan if you, in place if you need to use them uh, for the revenue guarantee. But if if the flight is full, 
you don't have to pay because they're making money on the flight. Everybody mm-hmm. goes home happy. And so over time, we'll be able to continue to add more flights is the idea. Also on the ballot in three weeks or so, uh, Amendment 433, increasing the minimum wage. Yeah. Does the chamber have an opinion about that one? So the, uh, uh, to clarify, on Amendment 1 for the rate guarantee, the chamber does have a position. We are encouraging people to vote yes. On Amendment 433, on minimum wage, the chamber board has not taken a position at this time. Um, and so I, I know that there's some direct business impact. We have been talking with our leadership about, you know, how do we view that one? Uh, but at this point, uh, the board has not taken a position. Minimum wage is is just tricky space uh, to be in right now, just in general, um, because we're I don't think it's a surprise to anyone. We're operating in an economy where we're seeing more upward pressure naturally through the economy on wages than we have seen in possibly the his- history of the, the nation. I mean, we've, we've got a historic labor shortage. Uh, there are great, great jobs available nationally, now I'm talking about. And, the, and because of all that, there is just natural upward pressure on wages. And in an environment like that, a minimum wage standard really becomes – uh, I, I think difficult um, because you're 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 still minimum wage inherently you are uh, almost arbitrarily setting a wage standard that everyone has to live up to whether that is uh, something that the business can support in that industry or not and and right now every industry is under the pressure that they're having to compete on wages. And so the good news about that is wages are going up Mm -hmm. across all industries nationally. There's all sorts of opportunity out there. So a a new minimum wage standard, I don't know, is necessarily the most productive uh, uh, approach to take as, you know, by and large, minimum wage increases generally don't create the, the type of impact that, that I think uh, proponents would, would want to see. But we, we don't have a position on this bill, uh, but we are in, a, in an economy where there's plenty of natural econo- economy-driven upward pressure on wages. You mentioned that Amendment 1 came out of the legislature. Uh, legislature isn't a conversation until January when the session begins. You have your eye on January? What's on the horizon for uh, legislative issues out of the chamber? Yeah, so there's several things that we're looking at. Obviously, after the election, we're going to have one new governor. We don't know who that is uh, yet, but um, you know, certainly we're going to work with whomever the voters send into office. And anytime you have a new governor, that's really going to change the tone of how the administration works with the legislature. So we're, we're watching for that. And there's uh, many, many statewide contests right now. And I'll, 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 I'll pick on one. John Stinner out of uh, Gearing had been uh, the chair of the Appropriations Committee. He's very well respected by people in, in both parties and everybody he worked with uh, had a real good analytical mind, um, but he is termed out, and so he is not returning to the legislature, and we're losing more people, um, I think, who who could be described in those terms. It's just well-respected, like to get things done, and and we'll have a new new crop of um, folks replacing them. And so... There are going to be some unknowns just because so many bodies are, are changing this year, uh, both at, in the legislature and for the administration. But there's important work to be done. Um, 
candidates that are out there right now are really focusing in on property tax uh, relief. I, I think a lot of their focus right now when they're talking about property tax relief is for large-scale landholders in predominantly rural areas of the state. Um, although um, I think property tax relief for average homeowners is something that, that I think most candidates are, are typically interested in pursuing as well. Um, ARPA, so the American Rescue Plan Act dollars. Last legislative session, the legislature had to allocate over a billion dollars of ARPA resources that the federal government had provided to the state of Nebraska. Huge buckets of money. And uh, through the awarding process, uh, um, there were several organizations that were awarded dollars, but at the same time, the feds continued to fill in the blanks on what the requirements for the use of those dollars were. And in some cases, um, we've been told that organizations are saying, you know what, we don't think we can live up to all the requirements that are there. Um, we we will either return the money or not accept the money because uh, we don't think we can we can get all the way done with our project. And so this next legislature is going to have some follow-up work to do with American Rescue Plan Act dollars and how they can be reallocated. Lincoln's going to have a lot to say about how we can support uh, some important Lincoln projects and, and economic growth through the use of those. And then something that we're, we're trying to put on the map, and this will be a multi-year effort, is what kind of involvement the state can and should have with continued support for infrastructure expansion in Lincoln. Um, and we've got two items that we are really looking at. Uh, one is the second source of water. Um, the mayor has convened a second source of water uh, committee, uh, and, and we applaud her effort to put that together. Um, that's going to be Whatever the solution is, we and that has not that committee has not finished their work, so they haven't identified a solution yet. But it is going to be a high, high dollar item. But it's going to be critical uh, for the future growth. And we're talking 25 years out, so everyone's got water today. That's okay. Um, but 25 years out, we're really going to have to to work on where is our second source of water coming from for security. The other one is is things like East Beltway um, or or other large scale infrastructure projects, right? I know. The South Beltway is just not quite open yet. Um, we're excited about the, the economic growth that that is certain to spur on over time. Um, but East Beltway is already a conversation we need to be having because it took us 15 to 20 years to get the South Beltway in, right? So we got to start now to think about our future needs uh, 10, 15, uh, 20 years down the road. Jason, thank you very much. We cut you loose. You're a busy man. Dill, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody, for being here on Lincoln Live.